We're not parents, but some of our best friends are. And we're here to share wisdom and observations from an unbiased non-parental I'm James. I'm Thomas. We're two non-parents interested in the world of parenting. This, this is, is Dink. Dink. So one of the things that um, um, I know that you've been up to recently, James, and you just mentioned this, is improv is a big part of your life. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things that your team was up to recently was actually going through auditions to welcome in a new improv member. Um, is that correct? Yes, you're right. Okay. Yeah. I, okay, good, good. Just confirming that. And one of the things that I was curious about is like you, obviously, I assume you need to form these really intimate and tight groups as an improv team. Uh-huh. And it must like really change the dynamic in some ways to bring on something new. And so... Is that real? Like, what has it been like to bring on someone new and how did that change things? So I've been doing improv for about five years. It's hard, you know, with pandemic, it's always hard <laughs> to think about what time it is. And it's been a pretty tightly knit group of folks, as in at least three of us have been there since we've, we've never turned over. And yeah. I feel like yeah, every time we've only had a couple of auditions in the course of like this, yeah, five or six year history of our group. I do think about every time we add people, I'm hesitant. Mm. I feel like we have a good thing going. We can make do. We can make do. So I, I don't think I've been the instigator <laughs> of asking people to add people to our group. But I definitely feel some trepidation yeah. when uh, people brought it up. And I actually remember sharing with you the day of the audition. Yeah. I was expressing like this sense of discomfort that is in a way very foreign to me during improv and I was talking and I think it was sharing the nervousness of meeting new people the feeling of not feeling like I belong to the group Mm. and I think after every audition all like it's the opposite feeling of that of like Mm. like how could I doubt it that we like that the group would um wouldn't be better or that like we couldn't make it work Mm. But yeah, when you ask me that, I really think about the contrast of that deep fear and concern mm. I feel before. And yeah, the way I'm surprised afterwards. And now that I'm saying it out loud, okay, this has happened multiple times. Mm. And each time still, I feel that contrast of emotions in the mm. before and after. And yeah, I sometimes wonder if in either case, if we didn't add people, it'd go fine either way. There's a commitment within the group that I know once we've added people, since we've had that commitment, it's worked out. Mm. That's awesome. That actually reminds me of a question that we have coming in. Sure. Let's play it. Hi, my name is Mandy and I'm calling from Oakland, California. And I am curious about what people think about when they consider expanding their family and having more kids. Uh, my husband and I have an eight month old and we are already getting some questions about whether or not we're going to have a next one. And honestly, we don't know. It might just be the three of us. It might be more. And I'm interested in hearing how people decide to have more kids. So I love this question. And the reason that it so reminded me of your experience with improv is, and I'm just quoting you right now, you said, I knew it would have been fine either way. Hmm. Like we were a good improv group, even as a smaller number, we will be a good improv group after the fact if we go in. And on one hand, that provides relief. 
But then on the other hand, I actually think it makes the decision harder because hmm. there isn't like something right. And and so my question kind of for you, James, and it, it could be about improv or like more generally, but when you're kind of faced with these big decisions where there isn't really an obvious right answer um, and yet you can't do both, <laughs> one precludes the other, kind of how do you think about making those kinds of decisions? Well, what I wish... I could do is I wish there was a podcast about the topic I'm worrying about. <laughs> and I'd write to them. <laughs> and they just answer it for you. Yeah. But we don't always have, life doesn't always <laughs> offer those types of opportunities. Gosh, Thomas. Um, no, I know where you're getting at. And it does feel hard. I, I often know, I'm, I'm now thinking just about the patterns I have mm. when I do feel like it's a decision where I know I can start by telling myself a narrative that it will be fine either way. Mm. These are perhaps the decisions that give me the most anxiety. Mm. And I think it's that anxiety comes from the fear of getting it wrong. I wish I could name that there's anxiety, acknowledge that if it can go either way, that means there's possibilities mm. in either decision. You know, I, I was struck by you mentioning this, like being aware of possibilities, because actually what I feel with these kinds of decisions is the lack of possibility, hmm. first and foremost, don't, right? Like, you have to go one way or the other. And before you choose, both realities are true yeah. at the same time. You know, like, there's the version of Mandy's family with hmm. two or maybe more kids. There's the version of Mandy's family with just one. And today, those both exist as potentials for the future. Um, and yet, the moment you choose one direction, all of a sudden, we close the door um, on on the other. And yet what I liked about what you're saying is, I, and actually I've never thought about it this way, is that kind of before the decision, I'm actually standing like on the backside of both of these doors. Um, and so while choosing to go through one or the other closes off one set of possibilities, it's actually the only way I access all the new possibilities that open up with one choice. So this idea of the possibility beyond the choice is what I heard from you, mm. right? Like, I, I literally started imagining kind of two different, like, bifurcating kind of networks and getting larger and larger and larger on one end for Mandy and her family and, like, mm. this family of three and having so much more time with this child and um, what that means for their resources and how much more traveling they choose to do or what they decide to do with that. And then on the other hand, I saw Mandy and her family of four plus and I saw the siblings playing together and like the friendship that that involves and, and what all that does. And just there's endless possibility that exists on each of those doors. And, and again, I agree. I don't often think about this this way, but I love that excitement for what could be um, in either one of those. And I maybe I, I can think of a couple of big decisions in my life right now that I want to take that approach with a little bit more. One thing I did pick up on in this question was how she said as she had her first child, people started asking questions. Mm. And I just want to like just acknowledge that that, that to me sounds like pressure. Mm. Um, I don't know if that was the primary motivator for why Mandy was asking this question. But mm. in some ways, I 
You know, one of the things I think might be hardest for a lot of parents is that there are so many strong expectations mm. about how parenting should be, what a family should look like. Mm. And I know, I just want, yeah, just like hope that uh, in answering this question is also, or in just diving into this question, we're, we're reminding ourselves, we're reminding Mandy, we're reminding all the parents out there that there are so many ways for family to look like, for parenting to look like, mm. and that there are so many decisions along the way where there isn't any right answer, mm. but maybe sometimes if you acknowledge like, where is that, the pressure coming from and realizing if it is from someone else, just, just to the extent if we not acknowledge that it's coming from somewhere else and not from within, if that does add some lightness, mm. I, I want to offer that up. Hmm. That all rings true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was also just kind of thinking about, I wonder what kind of needs mm. uh, different parents have when they think about ha- having another child. Mm. I know the first thing I think about is, does my child want a sibling? Mm. And the feeling of like, like I wonder if, that, if that's what parents orient their decision around. Mm. Or if there's other needs, like the feel of, Fitting in, I think that's the one mm-hmm. I was alluding to earlier around like, this is what a family should look like. Mm. Like, I do think the average family right now is for like two children. Mm. Is it a need for novelty? Like you had, you had a child and like you mastered it and then you want to have another child. But I'm actually so curious about, and I actually wonder if there's actually many different reasons why yeah. uh, people have, well, how they think about the number of children they have yeah, and whether there's certain dominant narratives of why one should have X number of children. And what are some of the other wonderful reasons to decide about why that family unit should have the number of children they Mm. end up having? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I completely agree. And I feel like two other reasons that I've heard pretty frequently is that it's a pretty magical thing to grow a kid and it's just something that a lot of people want to do more than once. Like, mm. want to go and take that journey more than once. I think that's deeply legitimate. Um, I also think there's a, just... And, and I think about this one a lot. That there's just a lot of... It is such a privilege to grow up in a home that feels stable and loving. And with parents who feel like they have the resources to support that. And I think there are also people who just kind of want to give a bit more of that into the world as Mm. well. Um, More as like a gift into the world and then what that opportunities um, their offspring might create. And I I love that, that there are so many reasons to, um, and also so many reasons not to. Mm. Um, And it's both what makes the decision, I think, difficult but like you said, give certainty that whatever decision Mandy and her family come to will be the right one. Um, because how beautiful of a thing to know that like their family as is, is good enough, like mm. you said before. Um, and I'm just reflecting on how the power of that truth in our lives more generally, um, how the strength that comes from the contentment in our life as is, mm. as we pursue big decisions. And I certainly know for myself, the less certain I am that my life today is good enough, the more anxious these big decisions feel. Mm. Because I'm desperately looking for something to change and like something in many ways to save me from the current state. Mm. 
Um, and that's like a very painful way to be facing a big decision. Yeah. Um, but when you're making it, I think from the, the spirit, I, I hearing from Mandy and her family, which is this deep contentment in the way things are and curiosity about what more they could be. It kind of one gives you space <laughs> to make the decision. It is, there isn't the false urgency. Um, but it also gives like this beautiful certainty that all will be well. Thomas, one thing that this question makes me think about is to reflect on our childhoods. Mm. We both have siblings, Mm -hmm. and I'm curious what reflections this question uh, stirred in you as you thought about your childhood and or living with siblings today. Um, Yeah, so James, as you know, um, I do have siblings. I have two incredible sisters um, who are some of my favorite humans on the planet. so I feel really, really fortunate. I feel I'm closer to my siblings than most people I know. Um, you know, I can say I talk to them like five days a week, mm. <laughs> which is, which is, I think, no, pretty high up there. Um, and they've been such an incredible source of just support and witness on my journey of life. Um, and in many ways, I felt like we were raised by our parents, but we raised each other mm. um, as well. And especially as immigrants, um, immigrants to America, but we were immigrants to Kenya mm-hmm. um, going in there and then going to like British school. And there's just a lot of difference between us and the rest of the world. And it felt very comforting to feel like there were at least two other humans on the world who kind of got my story. Um and I just feel incredibly fortunate um, mm. to have had them um, and to have people who know me well enough to kind of call me out on my BS, um, but also to like understand how to speak to me and nudge me to grow gently and in ways I deeply understand. And so it's incredibly warm. Um, I'm also, because I'm so close to my sisters, I'm actually aware how rare that is. Mm. Um, cause I think I, I, devi- we deviate from the norm, at least what I assume the norm is. Um, and I also know of lots of sibling relationships that are really tough. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I, because of that, actually interesting to this, I feel a lot of fear with the sibling question mm. because it feels like I, I know relationships that are amazing. I know relationships are hard and I don't think anyone in the relationships did things differently. Sometimes it feels like the magic of circumstance that, that played into those things. Um, yeah. And so it, on one hand I reflect and I feel gratitude, but then I'm also aware of like my lack of control in replicating that story mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. into the next generation. Yeah. Those are some of the things that I think about. Yeah. Yeah. As you know, I have one older brother yeah. and when people ask how are you with your brother? I always start by saying we're very different. Mm. And as I'm reflecting on that, reflecting on what you say, I think part of that is acknowledging that my relationship with my brother isn't the ideal two years apart, closest as it can be, Mm. do everything together. Uh, I first want to just acknowledge with so much gratitude, the deep love I feel for him Mm. in the way I, I know that he loves me as well. Yeah. 
And also realize our relationship is complex because in many ways, I think the ways I've learned to love and want to receive love, the, the ways I've learned that later in my life are a little bit different than the, the relationships I have in my family. Mm. And I think as I've gotten older and wrestled with the relationship with my family and made more peace with it, I think it is acknowledging that love can show up in different ways. Mm. And mm. in some ways, I sometimes still romanticize I think a lesson that was told to me of like family, the family love is the closest type of love you'll feel. Mm. Mm. And the reality that love can come in so many different forms. Yeah. And I'm so close to my family in so many ways and I, I, and I love them and I feel yeah. their love. And I also realized I've had to, or I've had the gift of learning about love in deep ways outside of my family as well. Yeah. So when I think about and I'm speculating here about some like the reason why sometimes I think people want to have multiple children is yeah. the cell is the hope for that I what I'm just calling it as a ideal of yeah. how siblings can be that you have that constant sense of companionship yeah. and that like highest bond you can have mm. perhaps other than a partner or yeah. a parent and for me I, I think about that need is probably for wanting companionship for their child Mm -hmm. wanting safety for their child wanting Mm -hmm. love for their child and just maybe reflecting on my own journey with having a sibling whom i love and also having friends whom i also call siblings and whom i love that that love can happen in many ways and again or offering that narrative a possibility yeah that that love can come in many forms and trusting that uh, because i look back and i don't Wish my journey was any other way. I'm so yeah. happy yeah. to have my older brother. Yeah. Um, yes, I feel a sense of kinship that is special because he's my brother. Yeah. And I also feel a special kinship with my friends. Yeah. I feel that with you. Yeah. I feel that with, you know, many of these people listening into this <laughs> call. Um, you better be because I just told you how much I love you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm just like nodding incredibly vigorously on this side because, you know, I do love you like a brother, James. And, and, I do consider you my brother in every one of the companionship loving. And I love in the sense of the companionship I feel like we share, the safety I feel Mm -hmm. in this relationship, the grace I know that I get. Um, And, you know, it goes back to this idea that there's so much of the myth of these tough decisions is there is one way. Mm -hmm. There is one way to get something. There is one way to achieve our goals. And that's what makes closing a door so scary but I was wonderfully surprised that, like, yes, I opened with this incredible relationship I have with my siblings. I also have lots of other incredible relationships. And whether or not a child has siblings does not preclude them at all from that degree of companionship. It just offers new interesting ways um, mm-hmm. for them to get it. And I think that's actually a message of freedom, whether or not you have siblings. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and for me, it's, it's a message of hope. For all kinds of decisions, you know, I've I've been thinking a ton about like my career and what comes next and where I want to go. And it's beautiful for me to remember that when I think, take a step back and think about the things that I want, there are infinite possibilities in order to get there, in order to get the work-life balance I want, the financial security I want, the coworkers um, or the coworker relationships I'm looking for. And I don't need to feel like when I make one decision, I'm truly closing my door on those values. Mm. Um, that those ultimate, I might, I might truly close my door on like a job or mm-hmm. a title. But when it comes to the things that really matter, 
there are always more ways for us to get them than we will ever have time. Um, and there's a deep peace, at least that I'm, I'm certainly reflecting on in knowing that. Thomas, should Mandy and her partner have another child? <laughs> Beautiful. What do you mean by that? I mean that whatever answer Mandy comes up with, it will be beautiful. <laughs> it will be. It will be. It will be. James, should Mandy and her partner have another child? So, uh... I was reading a book recently, and I wanted to share a quote from it. Oh, please. So the quote, and I'm paraphrasing the quote here, is, Love is infinite, but resources are not. It's from a book about polyamory. Mm. And the question was, how many partners should I have? And first, if the listeners are very confused, you know, uh, (laughs) these are different topics. But I've been reflecting on relationships and relationship constructs that are less familiar to me. Mm. I think parenting is a, is a ver- version yeah. of that. And I, I'm really appreciating these books, this investigation, because one, there's a novelty mm. of exploring relationships and love that are different than the ones I have in my life. But it also reminds me about, at the end of the day, how universal in terms mm. of what we're seeking. And the quote that love is abundant, but resources are not, I think is like a call to both abundance and practicality. Mm. And knowing Mandy, um, she's someone who I learned a lot about abundance from. And just a reminder that that there is an abundance or an infinite amount of love that in, in, in our lives mm. uh, that she and her partner have to give, whether mm. it is to her child, to another child, and acknowledging that for some of us, um, we feel burdened and constrained in different ways. Mm. It could be our sense of time. It could be financial resources. And not to judge ourselves if we feel that burden because mm. we, we carry burden alongside our infinite sense of love. Mm. I love the call to abundance and the call to practicality. And maybe that's my wish um, for both of us, James. Um, this coming week that as we face big decisions or need to go through that we would both kind of have a lens of abundance but also feel freedom towards practicality um, in each of our decisions that's also my wish for all our listeners this week thanks so much for listening to Dink if you enjoyed this episode please share it with a friend if you're interested in having a question answered on an episode Send a recording to dinkpodcast at gmail.com. As always, thanks to our friends and supporters for being so open with sharing your stories, joys, and struggles on the journey of parenthood. And thank you to our listeners as well for the gift of your time. We We love love you all. all.